Before we begin today's episode of Potterless, I wanted to talk about a podcast movement called Tripod, Tripod with a Y. The idea behind it is that basically you find a family member, a friend, a loved one who doesn't listen to podcasts and try to motivate them to give it a shot. You could pitch it as a free alternative to Audible, which I will fully support unless Audible decides to sponsor this podcast. Um, but basically, if you think of something that someone would like, whether it's something very popular like Serial or a news thing like Pod Save America or a sports podcast, go and tell someone that you think think would like it to give it a shot, and then they'll maybe get involved in the podcast community. If you want to tell someone about Potterless, that's great, and if not, no big deal. I also wanted to give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Jackie Cluse, and two of our Patreon supporters who have leveled up to our producer-level patron status. That's Vicky Vale and Andreas Ozelby. They join the ranks of Griffin Meckelberg and Leanne Davis in our producer-level patron role. So thank you guys so much. And let's get right into the episode, the final chapters of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, starring Julia Shafini of Spirits podcast. Hello, Internet. Thank you so much for tuning in to the final episode of the third book, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, of Potterless, the journey of Mike Schubert, me, a 24-year-old man, reading Harry Potter for the first time ever. We are here for the final section of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. We've just finished every major plot twist, and now we get to see the aftermath of all those. So again, we are joined by Julia Shafini of Spirits Podcast. Julia, how does it feel to be back? So excited. I'm. This is my favorite part of the book, Ooh. so we're just kind of going into this crazy hijinks, and I am ready to go. Good. I'm ready to go as well, so let's get right into the hijinks. So chapter 19, The Servant of the Dark Lord. So Snape starts arguing with Lupin, who's trying to explain himself, but Snape is ruining everything by just being really sassy and annoying and angry. He's been standing in the room listening to this thing, but like won't give everyone the time of day to explain themselves. It's very interesting. He's the worst. That's what he does. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. So Snape uses a curse to tie Lupin up in ropes and stuff. Snape says he's going to bring him to Hogwarts and then turn in Sirius to the Dementors. And the squad is like, wait a second, they've been telling us for the past two chapters about how they're innocent, so they all use Expelliarmus at the same time, which mm. knocks out Snape, apparently. Like, the dewanding is so intense that it makes some sort of explosion. Just knocks him straight back into a wall. <laughs> yeah, so knocks him into a wall, like hits his head, and he's knocked out. Now that Snape is knocked out conveniently, Sirius and Lupin then start describing the truth and the whole Scabbers-Peter Pettigrew situation. With Scabbers, they knew it was Peter because of the missing finger. It's revealed that Peter chopped it off himself before dun-dun-dun faking his own death in the street with Sirius Black. You find out that he did the spell to kill those 13 muggles. He did it behind his back and then did a transformation thing back into the rat, but with his finger that he chopped off, it made it look like he was, you know, killed with some spell that made every part of his body disappear except for his finger, which... I think it's suspect. Like, wouldn't the wizards know I think he cut off the finger first and then disappeared? I'm yeah. not oh, sure. No, that's what I'm saying. But, I'm saying he was, like, yeah. there with his decapitated finger, like, in his hand, ready to do this. And then left that it as, like, right. evidence that he was murdered. But wouldn't... I feel like wizards would know that there's no spell that is, like, Avada Kedavra except for your left index finger. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like people would be like, wait a second, no part of his body is here except for his finger? That's suspicious, but everyone's like, nope, Sirius Black murdered him and his finger is still there. I feel like wizard forensics aren't too great, so if he 
exploded all of those muggles and they only found his finger. Maybe they were just like, eh, it's probably mixed up with all the other parts of the muggles. Oh, that's really gross now yeah, that I'm little, thinking about it. Is there, no, mm. yeah, is there no wizard CSI? Like, I feel like there I should be a spell so. to be like, what actually happened? <laughs> no, I don't think uh, magic can get that specific. But Wait a second. I'm just thinking of this now. But they time travel in like two chapters. I feel like that could be an accepted use of time travels to be like, huh, I wonder who committed this murder. We'll talk about that in a second. Oh. When we get to the time travel, I have a lot of issues with the time okay. travel, but we'll, we'll talk okay, about that, it. That, to me, is a glaring issue. Okay. So basically, yeah, he transforms into the rat, goes into the sewer, and then Sirius was able to track him because very early on in the book, which another thing I was like, why the fuck are they telling us about this? They mentioned that the Weasleys were in Egypt and they, yes. they took a picture of them and they were in the Daily Prophet or whatever the, the Daily Bugle is in Harry The Prophet. World. You yeah. got it. You okay. got it right. <laughs> so Sirius like saw this newspaper one time when Fudge came into his jail cell and he saw that w- the rat was missing a finger and is like, clearly this is Pettigrew. The tiny little paw. <laughs> I guess like he knows his friend is a rat and is on the run. So I guess it's like putting two and two together. But there is the chance that he could have gone on this wild goose chase. And then it's like, oh yeah, this is our rat who's just like lost his finger in a lawnmower accident or something. I think a lot of it too, uh, Jake, K. Rowling puts a lot of emphasis on the animagus having uh, distinguishing features. Okay. So, uh, like, McGonagall's cat form has the same shape of her glasses, but, oh, like, in okay. spots or something like that. So, I think since he spent so much time with Peter as a rat, he, he probably exactly. would recognize him as a rat. Okay. If that, that makes sense. sense. Yeah. Also, how lucky is it that he has such, like, a mundane form that he could be like, <laughs> oh, it's, I'm just a rat. I'm just traveling around <laughs> in London. Yeah, thank no goodness he's difference. not. Yeah, he could have been a lot of more problematic things. He could have been that lion, and then God you know. damn, that would have been awful. <laughs> then you're just stuck in a zoo for 20 years. Ron would have had a way cooler pet though if he had a pet lion. <laughs> Ron would have had more friends if he had a pet lion. <laughs> oh yeah, that Weasley kid, he's got a fucking lion. <laughs> cool as shit, man. That guy's awesome. So then you learn that Peter is actually the one who killed Harry's parents. Sirius convinced the Potters to make Peter the secret keeper at the last minute and at the time before I learned this I was like I guess this is to throw them off and then later on Sirius is like I thought it would throw them off so (laughs) on the night of the death Sirius went to Peter's hiding place but he wasn't there and he saw no sign of struggle so he knew something was up so he went to the Potter's house and the murder had already taken place Peter, like, tried to run away, so he, like, ran, got into the alleyway, and then all this shit went down. Also, that's totally how Hagrid gets Sirius's motorcycle yep. from the first book. Yes. Which is so great. Yeah, they mention it, which made me kind of sad. I kind of wanted it to be Hagrid's. Yeah. I thought that is a very Hagrid mode of transportation. Well, he says in the first book, he's like, oh, I borrowed it from Sirius Black, and I think he got it once Sirius gets arrested. Like, Hagrid oh. just has the bike. I didn't notice that he said that. Maybe I did. Maybe. I don't, I don't think. know. I don't think I, I don't did. remember. Interesting. <laughs> The, the wizards then turn Scabbers back to Peter Pettigrew, and Peter's trying to act like Sirius is evil and that they haven't just been revealing the truth for the past three chapters. Not going to work like he's on he's been Lupin. listening. It's not like he doesn't understand because he's in rat form. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so not going to work on Lupin. Uh, he's having none of this shit. And Sirius, <laughs> who also is a member of team calling Voldemort by his real name and not he who must not be named, which is fantastic. I'm, I'm a fan of anyone that does that. Yes. So he's just like, oh, 
you mad that Voldemort's going to like get mad at you, blah, 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 all this other stuff. And he asserts that Peter is a henchman and that he's been hiding from the, the Voldemort followers for 12 years because technically because of Pettigrew, that is why Voldemort is gone because of Pettigrew gave away the location of the Potters. Voldemort is out of power technically because he tried to murder a baby. And Harry Potter was like, lol, no. You know, he's like, oh, you're hiding because, you you know, his supporters are going to kill you since technically you're the reason why Voldemort's gone. That sound logic. I get that. Yeah. That makes sense. It's kind of sound logic. But also, like, wouldn't there have been, like, something where Voldemort's like, hey, guys, Pettigrew's super chill because he told me where the Potters are. I feel like there would have been more explanation of what's going on. I feel like Pettigrew could have been like, hey, guys. I did this awesome thing, and I also framed Harry Potter's dad's best friend. Awesome work by Peter Pettigrew. Mm -hmm. Super thorough job. Absolutely fantastic. I I think people underestimate Peter, but at the same time, I think you're giving him a little too much credit on that. I think he was just scared and wanted protection, and that's why he decided to sell him out. I'm just saying that the fact of, like, turning the whole thing on Sirius Black, whether it was his idea or not, that part of it is super smart because Mm -hmm. not only does he get away, but you also, like get rid of the most powerful person that would like come to the defense of the potters and everything. So it's like a two birds with one stone kind of thing. It's like, Oh, we put the murder on someone else. We also put the murder on the best person to put it on. <laughs> like we picked the best person to frame. And arguably when you learn more about Sirius's background, you'll see why he was the best person to frame. Okay, good. I was sad. Like in the ending that Sirius Black goes away, when there's the brief glimmer of hope that Harry's going to live with Sirius, I was really excited because I was like, oh shit, there's going to be so much more like Harry chilling with Gary Oldman. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I hope that Sirius comes back into play because he's obviously the coolest character. He has the coolest name. Yes. And he can turn into a dog. All awesome things. Y- you know what his name is right like a reference to no i don't okay so the star sirius is called the dog star oh and it's part of uh orion the constellation and that uh that constellation and star name becomes a theme in the later books just like kind of keep an eye out for that yeah which part (laughs) of orion is it is it the belt or is it like his kneecap i think he's like on the shoulder or something like that (laughs) yeah He's like up here. <laughs> so not one of the, the three stars that matters because no, no. everyone only cares about the belt. <laughs> yes. only That's the only distinguishing feature for that constellation. <laughs> <laughs> so Sirius confirms that that he made it Peter Pettigrew as the secret keeper for last minute to try to throw him off the scent. And Ron is like, wait a second. If he's Scabbers, why did he never hurt Harry all this year? And Sirius is like, oh, yeah, right under Dumbledore's nose with no knowledge that Voldemort's going to be back to bail him out. Uh, sure. OK, that's going to work. Because the one thing we know about Peter is he's a fucking coward. Yeah, there was no way in hell he's going to do something like that. Not at all. He totally just stayed with the Weasley so he'd be informed if slash when Voldemort returned. Hermione then asks how he escaped without using dark magic. And Black is like, well, I never lost my mind because the only thought going through through my head was that I was innocent, which isn't a happy thought, so the Dementors can't take that away from me. That seems like you were a little out of your mind, Sirius. Yeah, Just a tiny seems bit. seems like a bit of a technicality, but okay. <laughs> so he says he kept sane and he kept his ability to turn into a dog, and he said the Dementors can't see, they can only go by the feelings of others, and quote, dog feelings are less complex than human feelings, so I was basically overlooked. <laughs> I mean, I guess so, 
J.K. Rowling? I fucking guess so. It's a little sad when you think about it. Here's the other thing, is that Azkaban is supposed to be the wizard version of Arkham Asylum, and Sirius Black is the most notorious, most profound wizard criminal ever, and they don't have him in some sort of, like, high-security, solitary confinement-type deal that just doesn't let him do any sort of magic? Like... I guess that they may have not known he was an animagist because he was unregistered, but you would think that they would put him in something that would stop all magic and not just let him turn into a dog and sneak through some bars. I think there's a there's different kinds of magic too, which I guess they get into later on, or it isn't as specific in the certain books, but I feel like that sort of transfiguration would be different like if they were just like making cells that were anti-magic that wouldn't kind of come into play because it's a different kind than you going lumos or whatever yeah okay that makes sense this is why i like this is why i like having people that know stuff about harry potter in the podcast (laughs) because i'm just throwing around accusations and then people can bring me down to earth like hold on mike (laughs) no need to be so (laughs) sassy about this series of children's novels so that explains the whole he's at hogwarts whispering in his sleep thing is because it's about Pettigrew, not harry so that's a fun Mm -hmm. little thing jk rowling's a big fan of like mentioning something that makes you think one thing and then towards the end of the book being like huh here's why that was a thing (laughs) surprise bitch yeah she's just trying to go for like most surprises ever. So Sirius explains how he escaped and Harry was like, oh, so you've been a dog roaming the grounds the whole time. And he's like, yeah, except for that time I watched your Quidditch match. Wait, hold on. You went out of your way to like watch this Quidditch match, which all the Dementors came to, which might now explain why all the Dementors came. You're running such a risk just to be like, huh, I wonder how Harry's doing on that firebolt. <laughs> that I sent him with the money that I somehow got out of Gringotts. Yeah. Also, like, why would you untransform from a dog? What if someone's like, hey, there's that guy that's on every wanted poster ever. I'm also totally picturing there's a photo uh, circulating on Twitter where it's a golden retriever at a bank. Uh And he's like, I want to make a deposit. And they're (laughs) like, ha that's so cute. He's like, my finances are not a joke, Barbara. That's how I imagine Sirius Black got his money out of Gringotts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's another thing that they like explain, but they don't explain. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, I bought you the Firebolt. I'm not going to tell you how, but. I got it for you. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Thanks to Crookshanks, I got you the fireball. That's very strange. (laughs) Yeah, so Sirius Black said, yeah, watch you play Quidditch. You're just as good as your dad is at Quidditch. This is the only mention of Quidditch in the final 150 pages of the book. There you go. You got it. fucking God. (laughs) Sirius says, quote, I would have died before I betrayed your father. And that seals the deal. And Harry's like, oh, shit. And he starts to believe Sirius Black. Sirius and Lupin then get into how they each thought each other was the spy, which is funny seeing that one of their friends, Patronus, was a rat. <laughs> but I think this is also that like inherent racism against the werewolves where it's yeah, like, that's eh, true. we thought you were a werewolf, so we thought maybe you would turn evil. Yeah, they never explain why they don't trust werewolves. It's just like this generally accepted thing. They're like, well, werewolves are the worst. No, Lupin's the best person at Hogwarts besides Dumbledore mm-hmm. or McGonagall. I think it probably goes Dumbledore, McGonagall, Lupin, Hooch. I think that's like the ranking. Sprout's somewhere in there too, Sprouts, I feel like. I, I would like say Sprout, Sprout a lot. Would be up there. I think Hagrid? Uh, oh, dang. Yeah, you're right. Because he's Hagrid. a professor now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's up there. But basically, in, I feel like Lupin's the best professor that isn't McGonagall. Because mm-hmm. McGonagall's sass in this book, oh my God. It's oh, so just wait good. until five, dude. McGonagall's sass in five is the best. Oh, right, because she probably hates Umbridge. 
oh my god, I want her to hate every character so that she can just sass them. Because <laughs> the like the work she did on Trelawney was phenomenal. Oh god, yeah, phenomenal. I'm so upset that I didn't get any Trelawney in my chapters. Oh, that she's is the, one of my favorites. No, you will. You'll get the best oh. quote about Trelawney from oh, shit, Dumbledore. I forgot. Oh, yes. good. Uh, I'm excited that you don't remember it, so then when I say it, you can react naturally. Let's do it. It was my favorite quote of, of the latter half of the book. Besides the everything. Everything. <laughs> Pettigrew tries begging with the two of them not to kill him, and they're like, no, we're going to kill you. Uh, there's even the thing where, where Lupin's like, should we kill him? And Sirius is like, yep, let's get on with this murder. Uh, just like all happy about it. It's like a buddy cop movie where they're just <laughs> like, well, time to kill this dude now. Oh, man. Since that's not going to work. He turns to Ron. I was a good pet, right? And then Sirius says, if you were a better rat than you were a human, that's not saying much, which is, oh, like that is followed by a bunch of air horns. Like, burr, 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 burr. like so good. Oh. He then moves on to Hermione, begging her to save him. He's like, you're which is just weird. Yeah. He, he's like, you're a really nice girl. And she's like, get the fuck out of here. And then moves on to Harry. Harry's like, no, you are the reason my parents are dead. He tries to say that Voldemort forced him out of it. And Sirius is like, okay, you've been passing information to him for up to a year. There's no way that he forced this out of you. Harry, though, does not want them to kill Peter Pettigrew, would rather turn him in, which turns out to be problematic. So they chain up Pettigrew, they patch up Ron, they invisible tie up Snape, and then they head back to Hogwarts. Don't they make Snape float? Yes. I'm pretty sure Snape floats during this, like a Snape balloon. Yeah, Snape did the like rope conjuring spell, which like tied up Lupin. They do like Mm -hmm. the invisible rope version of it that also makes him levitate, which is like clearly the step up version of whatever Snape was doing. Get on that wizardry, Snape. Yeah. Step below what you should be doing. (laughs) Exactly. That's the end of the chapter. It goes on to chapter 20, which is called The Dementor's Kiss, which my first note was, Holy shit, how is shit getting even more real? Like, everything has been so real, and now there's a chapter called The Dementor's Kiss? What? No way. This is the darkest timeline. It's This is the Harry Potter darkest timeline moment. It's so good. It's so good. So, Sirius reveals that he's Harry's guardian, and he's like, so, you know, I could let you live with me as long as my name is cleared. And Harry, like, gets super excited and, like, starts imagining a life with him and all this other stuff, which is really cool. I feel like this is the first, like, family member that Harry's had where he actually wanted to yeah. be a part of that. Exactly. Which is really exciting for him because the Dursleys just fucking suck. They're the worst human They're the worst human beings. Sirius Black gets really happy because at first Sirius is like, oh, but you probably want to live with your aunt and uncle still, right? And Harry's like, no. I hate them so much. I want to live with you so badly. And Sirius Black gets, you know, single tear of joy down his cheek, yes. basically. Gary Oldman just sobs in relief. Oh, Gary Oldman. <laughs> oh, Commissioner Gordon. Gotta love you. <laughs> they go outside through the passageway and everything. You know, they climb up the slide. And the clouds move away and then the moon is revealed and Lupin and Sirius are like oh fuck and they're like what and Lupin's like I was rushing to save you I didn't take my potion everybody run this scene in the movie is so dramatic too like Gary Oldman's just yelling at the guy who plays Lupin like did you take your potion tonight oh I'm really excited (laughs) it's like when Dumbledore asks Harry if he put his name inside the goblet Mm -hmm. did you put your name on the goblet in the fourth one which wait until you read that part because you're just like what was this guy thinking (laughs) so I heard about this thanks to Tumblr it's it says did you put your name inside the goblet he whispered calmly or something <laughs> yeah, he ridiculous calmly or like something. that. <laughs> also, I looked it up and I was like, Lupin, I feel like this means wolf or something. Oh, the good. name Lupin sounds familiar. So I Googled it and Lupin okay. literally translates to like a wolf. Okay. It's German for like a wolf. Do you know what Remus like means? Uh, Remus. 
So Remus Lupin. Uh, no, I don't. Good teacher. <laughs> no. So Remus uh, is actually from Roman mythology. Okay. Uh, oh, there Romulus were two twins. Yeah. Who were raised yeah. by a wolf. Uh, oh, Do you want me to tell the story? Well, yeah. No. Tell the <laughs> story for the okay. listeners. But I took Latin in high school, so. <laughs> okay. There you go. Um, so the city of Rome was founded by two brothers named Romulus and Remus. They were born of a god and like another god. They were kind of abandoned and they were raised by a she wolf. So when they grew up, they founded the city together but they wanted to see like who would be the actual founder. Mm -hmm. Um, So the brother Romulus killed his twin brother Remus and then Rome was named after Romulus. Yep. Fun times. Roman mythology is always very interesting. It's a lot of murder and like she wolves. So yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I like that everyone's name from here on out like means something and isn't just like what should we name the the teacher that teaches about plants? Clearly, Professor Sprout. So I'm glad that like people's names have become more meaningful. A little bit more. A little bit like deeper of a layer than Sprout. Yeah. I think at this point from here on out, now that I've had this episode with you and you know all of the myth backgrounds of everyone, I feel like every time a new character is introduced, I'm going to Google their name and see, yes. see what it means. I wonder what, you know, Cho Chang translates to. I don't think that one does anything. But. I'm trying to think, like, maybe Bellatrix Lestrange means something. I think Lestrange just sounds cool. Mm-hmm. We'll figure it out. All I know is that she's Elena Bottom Carter, so. Yes. So she's clearly crazy, because that's all she can play. That is actually the only role that she plays, ever. It's like, alright, we need a crazy person for this movie. Well, we need a crazy person and they have to be British. Oh, all right. That, that makes that sense. That works. Good. We're in. <laughs> so Sirius then goes into dog mode and starts fighting Lupin so that he, you know, doesn't murder a bunch of 13-year-olds. Fair enough. Pettigrew Fair grabs enough. Lupin's wand and transforms back into rat mode and then runs away, which brings up a question for me, is if you need the wand to transform, how did Sirius transform into a dog in prison? Wouldn't he have needed a wand? I don't think you do normally, uh-huh. but I think because they used that spell uh-huh. that were. Uh-huh. First Peter's oh, okay. transformation, he might have needed like the extra boost. Okay, that makes sense. Or maybe he just wanted the wand so the kids couldn't like disarm him or attack him or whatever. Yeah. But I guess it would make sense that whatever spell they put him in was don't turn back into a rat mode because otherwise they would chain him up and then he would just be like, I'm a rat now and then run away. Yeah. So I'm that you're right. Sense. I think they must have done some sort of spell that made him stay as a human. Yeah. So Harry and Hermione lose track of everyone except for Snape, who's still like passed out. Floating. But eventually <laughs> they like go into the woods and they see Sirius Black who's surrounded by a hundred Dementors in the forest. And Harry tries to do Expecto Patronum and it's like kind of working, but it's not like the full-fledged Expecto Patronum. It's just, you know, the vague silvery. The the shield is. uh, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It doesn't like get them away. It just like stops them from murdering him. The other thing is Harry's using the thought of living with Sirius Black as his happy thought, which is great. Which is like, it's a concept. So I don't think it works like quite as well as it could. Yeah. Um, but also Hermione's trying too, isn't she? She's like also trying to do Expecto Patronum. He like told her, he was like, just say Expecto Patronum. The thing is like, as Lupin said, no one knows what Expecto Patronum is. There's a yeah. lot of advanced wizards that have no idea what it is. So Hermione like doesn't sound surprised when Harry says to do it. So I don't know if they've discussed it before or whatever. It's also Hermione. So she knows everything yeah, that's ever written she, in a book ever. She cannot successfully Expecto Patronum because she didn't have, you know, the, the 80s training montage with Lupin like Harry did. <laughs> Which I'm, that's, that's what I'm imagining how it should be in the movie is it's just like an 80s montage with the song from Footloose uh, where he anger dances through the abandoned subway or whatever. That's fair. I was thinking like, dun, 
Oh, that would be a good one too. Yeah, anything from the 80s or from Top Gun when he's going through the emotional crisis. So many good. That one would be good too. Please bring back montages. Those bring back that 80s montage. They're so good. The Dementor goes in for the kiss on Sirius, and then another one grabs Harry by the neck and goes in for the kiss, which is like, hold on, you are not supposed to do this to an innocent. 13-year-old kid. Harry's like hearing his mom screaming in full form, so it's like the super intense version. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then someone vague saves the day with a Patronus and it describes it very deer-like and Harry with the blinding light aspect of it and the fact that he's almost passing out, Harry struggles to see but he sees a vague animal and a person who cast it, like welcoming it back and petting it. And Harry's like, huh, this person looks oddly familiar. And then he faints and it's the end of the chapter. (laughs) I also like that he describes it bright as a unicorn. Harry, please. (laughs) That is not the description you should be going for in this situation. You're almost dead. (laughs) Yeah, but you could only wish that your Patronus was a unicorn because that would be the dopest. That would be pretty legit. I would love that. I need to take the, the Patronus quiz yeah. To see what it is. Did you what, did you take it? I got a buzzard. A buzzard? Oh my <laughs> a god. A buzzard. I'm also a Slytherin, so oh, that kind of I was going to ask where your house was. That makes much more sense. Yeah. Hey, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors who make this show possible. This episode of Potter List is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is slash Right there. Wow. Anyways, that's a real club.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild collection of cards for four people some packs in a more transparent way. That's a real sports nerd slash Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me. You can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. 
So chapter 21, Hermione's secret, which finally they've been hinting about Hermione having some secret. And if you've listened to past episodes, my theory was that she was splitting into multiple people. Turns out it's time travel. I'm into multiple people, Hermione, though. That seems pretty cool. I, I, I like superhero Hermione. I don't know. I thought it was some wizard shit. You cut to Harry from the hospital bed, overhearing Snape telling Fudge that Sirius Black bewitched the squad. But he's still trying to spin that the kids should get into trouble and should maybe be expelled. Also, like, Fudge is like, oh, I'm gonna give you an award for all your service and shit. Yeah. Like, just don't give Snape awards. Don't do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Snape is unsure what made the Dementors retreat. I realized this right away, and I put, before it was revealed, I was like, time travel. Hermione can time travel, because as I was making the logo for Potterless, my girlfriend was helping me out, and she sent me this little picture. It was like a simplified logo, which is like what mine is, and it's got like a little image representing each of the books. Mm-hmm. And the one for the third book had like some circle with an hourglass on it. And I was like, hourglass. I was like, this is weird. And then when I was trying to think of the secret, I was like, oh shit, it's gotta be time travel. That time turner though. Clearly. So Pomfrey hooks up Harry with a bunch of chocolate, mentions that black is tied up and that the kiss is going to be happening soon. Harry and Hermione are like, oh no, like this is really bad because he's super innocent. We have to tell them. Fudge and Snape hear that the kids are awake and that they they come in and they won't believe them when they start telling the truth. Yeah, like Snape's like, oh, they're confounded. Shut up, Snake. No, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) So Dumbledore comes in and wants to speak to Harry and Hermione alone. Dumbledore basically says that he believes their story, but there's no proof, so they're not going to be able to convince anyone else to overturn it. Dumbledore says, what we need is more time, and then dramatically looks at Hermione. So good. (laughs) Like finger guns, finger guns all over the place. He literally is like, we need more time. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) This makes me realize, oh shit, yes, she can time travel. So Dumbledore tells them where Sirius is locked up, mentions that they must not be seen, and then says, you can save one more innocent life tonight, which is very strange. It's five minutes to midnight, and he says three turns should do it. So then you find out Hermione's got this like necklace with an hourglass, and it turns out to be this thing called the time turner. So she turns it three times, and they go back in time three hours. Since all these plots are happening on my notes here, I'm like writing things things in all caps. Like, oh, this is why <laughs> Harry saw someone familiar with the Patronus. It must be him from the past slash future. There you go. They, the time turner you find out is from McGonagall. That is what uh, Hermione had been meeting with her secretly about. That's what she's been using to go to multiple classes at the same time, etc. Hermione had to get special permission from the Ministry of Magic to use it. Well, because you can't just fuck with time. Exactly. <laughs> but it seems strange that they're like, hey, we have this super nerd at our school. Can we do this thing that like lets her go to multiple classes? Not oh, I don't know, just design the schedule around Hermione. I feel like that's so much less complex. I think that's also like really dumb of the government to be like, oh, this small (laughs) 13-year-old wants to take additional classes, so we'll give her this intensely powerful artifact that can turn back time. That sounds like something we should totally do. perfectly logical. Oh, God, so dumb. (laughs) The ministry is just a dumb, dumb ass Yeah, they're really fucking dumb. They've never done anything good. They've only made things horrible, and I know the whole fifth book is basically a about them being horrible. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> displeased with the Ministry of Magic. The only cool thing is that, but it's wasted. It's wasted on a shitty character. <laughs> There's one like super fun department that you find about, I 
find out Ooh, about later. I'm excited. But we'll, we'll get there. That's good. I'm excited. <laughs> I also like in the audiobook version, like the official audiobook read by Jim Dale, he does like a lot of funny voices for people. And his voice for Fudge is so, it's like exactly what I imagined. Like, he talks like this, like, Harry, yes. we need to keep you safe, Harry. You can't go to Hogsmeade. He sounds like Winston Churchill on Helium. <laughs> It's good. And his McGonagall's the worst, though, because it's like obnoxious Scottish person. It's like, Harry, you need to be careful. It's like, <laughs> I forgot wow. about that. Yeah, because McGonagall's <laughs> voice should be McGonagall from the movie. I feel like McGonagall was cast 100% perfectly. And 100%. it really should just be her doing it because his obnoxiously Scottish McGonagall is way too much. So way Scottish. Too much. And his, his series Black was also Scottish. And I was like, Gary Oldman isn't Scottish. That's not a thing. <laughs> I, I don't even think canonically, he's definitely not Scottish. No, he's not. But 100% Definitely not. not. But he basically roughly sounds like Hagrid in, in the audiobook. But that is just, you know, fun little things you get. So let's see. They need to find out why Dumbledore picked three hours because he couldn't just like tell them what to do. He had to be super ominous and leave the room immediately. I feel like he wants to have uh, deniability in case these small children are <laughs> seen breaking out a criminal. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. So they're like, oh, something must have happened between now and those three hours that we got to change. And my guess is Buckbeak, because the whole time I've been doing, reading the book and doing this podcast, it's like Buckbeak can't be dead. He's on the cover of the book. Like, there's no way. There's a picture of Harry flying with someone with long hair. So it's either Ginny or Hermione. Buckbeak can't be dead. So Harry remembers that Dumbledore says, very strangely, you can save more than one innocent life tonight. And Harry's like, oh, it's got to be saving Buckbeak's life, to which I wrote in my notes, fuck yeah, I'm a genius. And then immediately remembered that this book is for children <laughs> and I'm not very smart for realizing what a plot twist this was. Like, I'm not that great for putting two and two together. This book is targeted towards like 15-year-old kids max. 13-year-old you would have been really me would have not seen this coming at all. 13-year-old no, me would have also thought Quidditch was cool because 13-year-old me was fucking stupid. I didn't realize that Quidditch is the worst word. Yeah, so, all right. Uh, Easy anyway. desert, <laughs> just got it out of there. Got it out of the system. I have a I have a contract with Good. J.K. Rowling that I rant about Quidditch once per That's episode. Fair enough. I am so excited to do an episode about Quidditch through the ages. It's going to be so good. When you do um, magical creatures, I want in on that because I know the background Ooh. of all that shit. I'm excited. How pumped are you for the 58 movies that they're making about it to make as much oh, money as possible? So excited at the most. I'm just into 1920s flapper witches. Like, yeah. sign me up for that shit. I'm excited for American witches. That's what I'm hyped for. Yes. So uh, the execution crew is going through the paperwork bullshit mm -hmm. and Harry goes to untie Buckbeak while this is going on. And they're trying to avoid Albus Dumbledore is being purposely mm -hmm. vague during this entire scene like can you read that back <laughs> to me minister I'm not sure I heard you the first time I'm like you are stalling because you yeah, know what's exactly. up <laughs> uh, so they have to like avoid seeing themselves so they have to run around sneak around they go to untie Buckbeak etc the executioner then sees the Buckbeak is gone and hits the fence with his axe out of anger so that was the quote axe hit that you heard which I knew was not Buckbeak's mm -hmm. death by the way that they vaguely just said like and they heard an axe chopping down. They didn't actually mention that he died. I was like, there's no way he's really dead. And then in the previous chapter, they mentioned that you hear Hagrid howling. Well, you learn that this howl now is a howl of joy. <laughs> sure, J.K. Rowling, whatever you say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so happy. Let me just be like, ah. <laughs> Seems strange that like a happy howl could be confused with like moaning over the death of your favorite pet. Anyway, the executioner sees that Buckbeak 
has been untied. So he's like, oh, we should search the grounds. And Dumbledore's like, uh, you think if someone stole Buckbeak that they'd stay on the land? You should search the skies if you must. Sassy Dumbledore. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to go have some tea, though. No, he's going to have some should... whiskey. He oh, has yeah, to... <laughs> shit, I forgot. He's like, fuck this. Let's get drunk, Hagrid. And Hagrid's so like, yes, sir. Let's do this. Up. Hagrid's like, you're goddamn right. We're getting drunk. So Hermione and Harry decide that they need to wait until the forest until all those people go back into the castle and at that point they're going to get Buckbeak fly up to Sirius's window he won't be there for a few hours get Sirius on him to escape and then go back so they have the whole plan set out Hermione says they need to relocate so that they can see the Whomping Willow so they can make sure they know what's going on Harry says he wants to just go to the tree and take the cloak because he's like yo if we just take the cloak none of this Snape bullshit happens and we're fine and Hermione's like have you never seen Back to the Future like it doesn't work that way (laughs) don't cause paradoxes in alternate timelines fuck you Harry (laughs) what she really says is we can't be seen so Hermione asks Harry how did the Dementors not get to Sirius so he describes what he saw and he's like, I think it was my dad because he's a fucking idiot. Fucking Harry. And Hermione just no bullshit, just straight up goes, Harry, your dad's well dead. Just straight <laughs> up is like, your father isn't alive, you fucking idiot. Dumbass. Come on, <laughs> Harry. <laughs> Absolutely brutal. They run back to Hagrid's house because past Lupin is coming towards the woods in full werewolf mode. Harry leaves the cabin to quote, you know, make sure everything's good, you know. <laughs> and Hermione obviously knows that he's trying to see what up but lets him do it anyway Hermione's just like uh, leave me with this giant eagle horse I guess <laughs> eagle horse. I'll be yeah, fine yeah, I'll be okay I'll be chill <laughs> he really wants to see his dad so he hides behind the bushes and he sees the Dementor kiss about to happen and he's like oh this is the part where my dad comes and then he's like oh wait no way that's dumb it was clearly me from the past slash future so he stands up does expecto patronum the stag comes out get that full stag life get that full stag mode and the dementors go away hermione then meets up harry explains what went down and then they prepare to head back after they see snape leave with the passed out version of harry sirius and hermione The book then says that, quote, Buckbeak was ferreting for worms, and I didn't know that ferreting was a word for begging. I think it means he was digging for worms. Oh, okay. Like he was sticking his beak into the ground to try and pull worms out like a bird would. Yeah, okay. That makes sense? I guess. (laughs) I mean, I guess so. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So they get on Buckbeak and start to fly, which is the cover of the book, and then they go up to Sirius Black's window. They start to, like, tell him what's going on. He wants to, like, have a conversation about stuff and, like, ask them how they did it, and he's like, get on the fucking bird dragon horse lion griffin and get the hell out of here so he's like fine he flies away they run back and they just barely get into the hospital room like at the perfect time dumbledore sees them and is all like it all worked or does that happen at the start of the next chapter oh that's that's the the start of the next chapter chapter. yeah so he just flies away and then the chapter ends but then you get to chapter 22 owl post again and yeah so they run through they hear fudge and snape having a conversation And they're basically talking about the execution and the whole like giving Snape the reward thing and all this good stuff and how the Daily Prophet is going to be so happy to hear about this. And Snape's like getting extremely 
excited about like the possibility of all this working out. So they like sneak by them. They get back into their hospital wing, like just as Dumbledore leaves. So it's just imagining like Dumbledore leaves the room and then closes the door and then turns and then it's future Harry and Hermione are there. And he's like, oh, you guys didn't mess up. Nice. And then lets them back in. But I love that he's about to let them in and he's like, hold on a second. And then like waits to make sure that Harry and Hermione are not like still in the room and then lets them back in because it would have been great if they're like, all right, let's go. And then the door opens and they see themselves and they're like, shit. And then the world explodes because that's that paradox life, though, man. But Ron sees them leave and then sees them walk back in through the doors, which is just like trippy as fuck. Ron's been through a lot. He has. He almost got murdered by a 12 inch knife. He lost his pet. Yeah, his pet has turned out to be an evil man. He tried to stand up on his broken leg like 17 different times and those didn't work. So many bad things have happened to him. You have to think Ron definitely changed in front of Peter Pettigrew a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, almost all the time. Super weird. (laughs) Pettigrew's been through some weird times in the Weasley household. (laughs) So basically Snape and Fudge and Dumbledore then bust in to the room because they went to kill Sirius Black and he wasn't there. And Fudge is like, oh, maybe he disapparated. And Snape, who's talking in all caps, according to the book. Screaming. He's just screaming (laughs) at this point. screaming in all caps and a lot of italics. He didn't disapparate. He can't teleport out of here. Like, you can't do magic in that room. Blah, blah, blah. This has to do something with Potter. (laughs) Out with it, Potter. Yeah, literally. This has to do something with Potter with dashes in between each of the all caps. So just like super intense. Mm -hmm. And then everyone starts to vouch for him. Fudge is like, Severus, be reasonable. And Dumbledore's like, yeah, they've been here the whole time, right, Madam Pomfrey? <laughs> like, I literally just saw them. Yeah, and Madam Pomfrey's <laughs> like, you're goddamn right they've been here the whole time. I'm doing my fucking job. These are ill children. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I'm the most powerful surgeon in all of the wizarding world. I'm the fucking nurse. Like, I got my shit together. The badass Pomfrey. Yeah, so Severus is like, totally gung-ho that this has to be Harry's fault. There's no way that this isn't Harry's fault. This has to be Harry, blah, blah, blah. They get him to leave and go out of there. I also love the line between once, like, Snape runs out, uh, Fudge is like, the fellow seems quite unbalanced. I'd watch out for him if I were you, Dumbledore. And then Dumbledore's like, nah, he's not unbalanced. He's just suffered from severe disappointment. I'm like, that is the dumbest line you've ever said, Dumbledore. And then in response to the dumb line, Fudge is like, ah, how do you think the Daily Prophet's gonna feel? They're gonna have to report about missing black death and all those other things that didn't work out well. Fugitives! Buckbeak ah. flew away and we couldn't kill him. Severus Black flew away or Sirius Black flew away we couldn't kill him. All these people are getting away. Everyone's going to be upset. So they bump into Hagrid. He was like, oh guys, I have such good news and they all have to play dumb. Buckbeak escaped and they're like what? No way! Oh my god! That's so cool! Then he also was like oh, but there's other bad news. Lupin's a werewolf and they're like what? No way! Oh, you're kidding! Hagrid it's like, yeah. So he's like packing up his stuff and leaving. And that actually Harry's like, wait, what? And like runs to Lupin's <laughs> Why office. Why the fuck is that happening? That's not cool. <laughs> runs to Lupin's office. So then they have, they have a little heart to heart, Harry and Lupin. And Lupin is basically like, yeah, you know, everyone knows I'm a werewolf now. It would give Hogwarts a bad name. None of these parents are going to be chill with their kids being taught by a werewolf because everyone is racist. But also it's Snape who like outed him. Like no one knew. And then oh, Snape yeah. was like, you know, fuck this shit. Yeah. I not get my order of Merlin first class. Yep. Like, fuck this. Yo, this guy's a werewolf. Yeah, he just says it at breakfast. He's just like, yeah, he revealed at breakfast. So I'm just imagining Snape like eating some eggs and being like, hey guys, uh, this dude's a werewolf. <laughs> and everyone just screams. And everyone's like, ah! Because we and all hate like, werewolves. Oh, better pack my things. <laughs> I feel like Lupin has a very um, 1940s 
uh, happy-go-lucky hobo spirit to him. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, time to put on my bindle and keep walking away. <laughs> yeah, so they have Ardar. They talk about, the, like, the whole Patronus thing, and then he reveals, like, yeah, Prongs, your dad used to be, or your dad used to turn into a deer. Uh, that's why your Patronus is him. Like, it makes sense, blah, blah, blah. So they have a little sentimental Even though moment. you didn't know that, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, but it's within him, right? It's his true yeah, being. I guess. Your Patronus is always there. My fox is always here. Your buzzard is always there. <laughs> That's true. I wonder if someone's Patronus is like house cat. <laughs> like, I think there are. I think there's nice. a list somewhere of all the Patronuses all you can get. Yeah. And it's like cool as fuck. You can go from dragon to house cat. So <laughs> nice. Harry like ends up talking with Dumbledore and he's worried because he was like, yo, Trelawney had this prediction of quote, like something terrible, greater and more terrible than ever before Trelawney's prediction. And he's like, like, ah, don't worry about it. But then he's like, yeah, but then there was this part where Trelawney's eyes rolled back into her head and she started like murmuring shit about Voldemort. And then Dumbledore goes into this whole big thing about how letting Pettigrew go was actually a good thing. And it's like what his dad would have done. And he gets into this like very heavy handed thing where he's like, one day in the future, you're going to be very thankful that you let Pettigrew go. And it's just like on and on about it. And it seems like not a bad thing. Like I'm pretty sure in the fourth book, Pettigrew is the reason that Voldemort comes back to being like snake man and not like living in a turban. (laughs) The only thing I can guess is that by the seventh book, Pettigrew has the classic henchman thing where he realizes that he's not actually respected by the evil dude and he's just gonna turn in Voldemort or whatever. So that's what I'm thinking is gonna happen. That's my guess. Either that or Dumbledore is just completely wrong and no good is going to come of letting Pettigrew live. I'm not going to say if you're right or wrong. Okay, good. (laughs) Dumbledore's whole reasoning is that he's like, Pettigrew owes his life to you. And when one wizard saves another wizard's lives, it creates a bond between them. I'd be much mistaken if Voldemort wants his servant in the debt of Harry Potter. And Harry's like, yo, I don't want any sort of connection with Pettigrew. Like, he's the reason my parents are dead. Get him the fuck out of my life. Yeah, he's like, I don't want any sort of tie. And then, quote, the time may come where you will be very glad that you saved Pettigrew's life. Some heavy-handed foreshadowing there. (laughs) Really hoping that it comes into play later. Because if it doesn't, it's just super lame. Then Dumbledore gets on and he says that Sirius told told Dumbledore all about the Animagi thing and he says he's impressed A, that they were able to do it on their own and B, that they were able to keep it on a zero of them that he's like, yo, I'm not even mad. Like, that's just impressive. Like, cool for them. Yeah, he's like, yo, good for you guys. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I guess because they did it for good reasons too. Like, they never used it for evil. Yeah. They weren't like stealing shit or whatever. No, they were just like trying to make Lupin have a better life. So it's totally chill. Oh, did you want to talk about the Trelawney dissing? Oh, yes. I know you're oh my really God. excited I about totally that. I totally forgot about it. That's the, literally the only note that I wrote in my section was this <laughs> quote from Dumbledore because I was too excited to like finish the book that I didn't want to like take the time to write down notes and stuff. So he he mentions the old Voldemort thing saying that her servant would go would be reunited, blah, blah, blah. And then it says, quote, Dumbledore looked mildly impressed. And then it says, who would have thought that brings her total of real predictions up to two? I should offer her a pay raise. Absolutely incredible. You hired this woman to teach divination and she's had one solid prediction in the future. It's amazing. No one respects her. 
They all hate her. She's the worst. And Dumbledore throws down this incredible burn. Incredible burn to a student who's obviously going to uh-huh. like tell this to everyone. There's no way Harry's not going to say like, hey, guess what? It's absolutely fantastic. So props to Dumbledore. He also says later on, he's like, predicting the future is a very difficult business. Professor Trelawney, bless her, is living proof of that. <laughs> oh my God. Why do we got to diss her so hard? She sucks. That's why. She's awful. She really is. Well, you got to wonder what the one prediction she got right besides the Harry one is. Do they ever say it or no? Yes, they do. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Yes. Later in the series? I'm excited. I feel like you have so much to look forward to. I'm just really excited. I do. I'm <laughs> so excited. I'm really excited about it too. No one at Hogwarts knows the truth except, you know, Sirius, Buckbeak, and Pettigrew, Harry, Ron, Hermione, Dumbledore. <laughs> like, they know mm-hmm. what's up and everyone else, no one knows what's going down. Malfoy's super pissed about Buckbeak. He held a grudge against a giant bird. Yeah, it's like he he thinks he's been made a fool by a gameskeeper. It's like, dude, you fucked up and did the one thing you're not supposed to do for this animal. And then you tried to get it killed because you're mad that you did it and it didn't die, which is what's supposed to happen. Just chill, bruh. Just calm down. This is the worst instance of my father will hear about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's so true. It's so true. Uh, Percy is like really upset about the whole thing. And he says, if I manage to get into the ministry, I'll have a lot of proposals about magical law enforcement, which to me, I was like, you know what? That's actually like a really good thing. Seeing that they've like wrongly imprisoned people and also not done a good job of imprisoning people. And the Dementors are terrible guards. If Percy goes on to like reshape the landscape of law enforcement, I think that would be actually fantastic. I think Percy graduates this year. He does. Yeah. It says he gets his top scores on his newts, which yeah. is the stupidest name for a test ever. <laughs> it, so I think even stupid. what it stands for is oh, like a yeah, really dumb the, one. It, I made fun of this last episode, or I guess technically two episodes ago mm-hmm. with Jordan. It's the nastily excruciating wizard yes, tests, that's I think it. it is, which is so stupid because it's not like the ACTs were the awfully challenging tests <laughs> or the SATs were the super awful tests. No. I think she just really wanted an acronym. She's like, I'm just going to make this work. <laughs> what is SAT? actually stand for a uh, standardized something testing aptitude aptitude, aptitude. Okay. for a long time i thought it was just like standardized test and then i realized <laughs> eyes does not start with an a <laughs> <laughs> thankfully one of the questions on the sat was not, was not that what question. does sat stand for because then i wouldn't have gotten to college because it would have been like this kid's an idiot <laughs> standardized admissions test standardized admissions test okay oh really okay I thought it was aptitude. It doesn't I, matter. I don't know. <laughs> we don't I took them both them and I did good on them. It's all good. <laughs> so it says Percy got top grade on his newts. Fred and George did well enough on their owls, which again, stupid acronyms. Yep. Gryffindor won the house cup for the third year in a row. Thanks Not to the bad Quidditch for cup. all of the laws they broke at the end of the book. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but they saved the world again, which I think should be worth all of the points. Uh, and maybe Neville was brave again and got 10 more points, which is fucking so Is Neville stupid. even really in this book? No, not really. Except for the fact that he gave away the passwords. Oh, Uh, yeah. That was the only thing that happened. And then he gets Sir Cadogan. Fuck. I forgot about that. Pretty much. (laughs) All right. So Hermione then says that she's going to stop the whole time traveling thing. She's just going to have a normal coursework next year. Cool. Which makes sense and is good. They talk about how Hermione's like, I'm going to stop doing it. I dropped divination and I dropped muggle studies. I'm like, you should have been taking that in the first place. That's like Andy Dwyer taking guitar in community college. (laughs) (laughs) Is muggle studies really going to take you? far in your wizarding world Nothing. like doesn't she have muggle parents why does she need yeah she's studies? literally grew up grew up as a muggle there's yeah, no reason she should be taking muggle studies yeah. 
you're fun. You should just like talk to your parents about stuff. The year is over. They all passed enough on their finals. Harry thinks that Dumbledore must have stepped in to give Harry a passing grade in potions, which is hilarious. And they're all taking the train home. And while they're taking the train home, they notice uh, something outside the window. And they see that it's like a very tiny owl carrying a letter. My favorite owl of all time. Like literally this owl is my favorite human, not even human being. Do they name this owl? Yes. Ginny names the owl in the next book. I don't want to hear what it is. I hope she names it Harry is hot. So (laughs) opens the the letter and you find out it's from Sirius Black. And he's basically like, hey, I'm hiding, but I'm not going to tell you where in case someone else gets this letter. But I'm good. The Dementors are still going to look for me, but they're not going to find me where I'm hiding. I'm going to uh, eventually like let some muggle see me when I'm really far away from Hogwarts so that people will know that like Hogwarts is safe and it's all good. Mm -hmm. And then he ends it. He's like, oh, by the way, like I sent you that firebolt. And Hermione's like, ha, I knew it. Bragging. She's like, I was right the entire time. They're like, yeah, but he didn't fucking jinx it. What's your issue? (laughs) Exactly. So then he goes on and he's like, yeah, Crookshanks took the order to the owl office for me. I used your name, but I used the gold from my Gringox vault. It seems like a very complicated procedure. This cat is his intern. Get me coffee. Get me gold. Bring this to the (laughs) owl office. Touch the root on the tree. So then he's basically saying like, oh, you know, just want to say I'm sorry for the fright. He mentions that like he was the dog in the alleyway that when he left his uncle's house, he's like, I just wanted to like see you before I left to make sure things were cool, which is very sweet of him. And then he's like, I'm enclosing something else for you, which I think will make your next year at Hogwarts more enjoyable. And it turns out that it's a uh, a signed permission slip to Hogsmeade, which is really cool. But it's also signed by Sirius Black. So he's just like, "Mm, I don't know if like McGonagall is going to be like, oh, this signed note from a fugitive. That seems legit. I feel like if Dumbledore tells anyone things that's going down, it's McGonagall. Like, she's definitely that's the unofficial vice principal of Well, Hogwarts. no, she's actually the um, assistant headmistress or whatever. Okay. That, like, when he first gets his letter, it's it's signed assistant headmistress McGonagall or something like okay. that. That makes sense. Yeah. Then there's also a PS, and it says, I thought your friend Ron might like to keep this owl because it's my fault he doesn't have a rat anymore. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Sorry your rat turned out to be a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry your rat is the reason Harry's parents are dead. Here's an owl. Here, have a hyperactive owl instead. <laughs> exactly. So Ron gets really excited and then has this really sweet moment where he turns to Crookshanks and says, what do you reckon? Is it definitely an owl? That's and so Crookshanks cute. purred and he says, that's good enough for me. Like, awesome bro moment by Ron right there. Ron no, no longer wants to murder Crookshanks, which is yeah, all cool with. which is good. I'm more high on Crookshanks. I was always down on Crookshanks because I feel like it's a very common thing for Harry Potter fanatic people to name their pets Crookshanks. And I think that there's just like better names in Harry Potter that aren't pets, where it's like more fun to name your pet something that isn't a pet. Like if you had a tiny dog named uh, I guess Sirius Black would be. That's a pretty. Because it's already a dog. Yeah. But like if you had a tiny dog named like Cornelius Fudge, like that would be fantastic. That would be adorable. I want a little like bulldog that's named Cornelius Fudge because that's the most accurate. <laughs> yeah, that would be so good. So I feel like there's other stuff that you could do instead. But I'm more high on Crookshanks now that it's like the smartest cat in the universe. I'm really surprised it's not a human. So then they're like all leaving. They get to King's Cross Station. And Ron is like, yo, you should totally 
hang out at my house this summer. It's the Quidditch World Cup, so we can like go and watch the games and stuff. And Harry's like, that sounds like fun. I bet the Dursleys will enjoy having me out of the house, too. I know you're really excited for the Quidditch World Cup in the next book, Shubes. Oh, no. <laughs> they actually talk about it? That's like the whole like first five chapters of the no! book. No! Oh, I thought it was just going to be swept <laughs> under like the, the every first chapter of the book where they're like, it was the summer. Harry was sad. Like, <laughs> And I thought they, they went to the Quidditch World Cup. It was great. Now they're back at school. Something went wrong. <laughs> they spent the entire year trying to find what went wrong. It's finals. They figured it out. They went home. Harry can't stay with anyone else. Has to be back with the Dursleys. Book five. <laughs> Harry's sad. Now you have sports book coming up. Yeah, but I thought it was going to be not Quidditch. It book. starts with sports. Fucking. It ends with sports. <laughs> yeah. Son of a bitch. God damn. <laughs> Whatever. It'll make for good podcast episodes. Oh, for sure. Because I'll be, I'll be so angry. Oh, man. So then Harry gets back with the Dursleys and they're like not happy to see them. And then Harry has the greatest moment ever. Oh, this is so good. This is definitely the best ending to any book ever. He has his little note and Vernon's like, what's that? He's like, oh, is it another form that I have to sign? And he's like, no, it's not. It's a letter from my godfather. And Uncle Vernon's like, you don't have a godfather. And he's like, yes, I do, actually. He's my mom and dad's best friend. He's a convicted murderer, but he's broken out of wizard prison and he's on the run. But he likes to keep in touch with me, though, keeping up with my news, check in if I'm happy, and grins at Vernon. <laughs> and then he says he continues to grin broadly at the look of horror on Vernon's face. Harry set off toward the station exit, Hedwig rattling along in front of him for what looked like a much better summer than the last. And that is the end of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, arguably the greatest book in the series. So good. Most people's favorite book. It, so. it is. And for good reason. There's so many like plot Very twists. Very good reason. Oh my God. Yes. I was like freaking out. There was a while ago, I had an Audible subscription and I really enjoy books that have like big plot twists in them because I find it more compelling than when a movie has a plot twist because mm -hmm. you're like much more invested. So I Googled, I was like, best plot twist books. Almost all of them are Stephen King books. That's and, right. Which makes sense. Yeah. But like number four was Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. And I was like, what? I was like, this is weird. And then once I got to it, when there's like six plot twists in one paragraph, I was like, okay, I get it. It makes me really sad. I know it's like great enough that I've like have no knowledge of the series except for minimal things. But I wish that I knew absolutely nothing. Go because into if I it totally blind. Yeah, totally blind. Because if I didn't know that Sirius Black was a good guy, that would have been like, earth shattering. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine what like 10 year old kids did reading this because obviously like there's some points where it's like kind of hinted that he's not evil, but as a 10 year old kid, you're just gonna be like, he's so mean. And then he turns out to be good. And you're like, what? So why I love Prisoner of Azkaban is not only it's the best book in the series, but it was mm -hmm. the first book that I read myself. Like my mom read oh, me the nice. first two sure. and then I read this one for my own. So kind of like watching that plot develop oh, and like so trying cool. to figure it out as a small child. I was just like this, this is the moment that yeah. I was just like, books can be so good. Why am I, why am I not reading more? books and that was my Hermione moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's really good uh, I feel like four is the like let's appeal to the masses book because at least for me that was the only movie that I liked of the ones that I watched because it was just like oh cool sports oh Robert Pattinson oh like attractive witches from this other school <laughs> which uh god we'll talk about that another time Shubes because I'm just angry about that <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's like a lot of cheap things to just like get people 
invested. It's like, all right, how do we get people in sports and hot girls and hot dudes and a prom and like there all these things? <laughs> like, let's. Harry's got a crush on someone now. It's the puberty <laughs> book. It's the There's puberty more book. Dragons in it. Yeah, they're just like really trying to appeal to the masses with book four. Mm-hmm. It's got the coolest name, the Goblet of Fire. Like, I think that's the coolest name of all the books. I can't think of a cooler one. Order, Order of, the, of Phoenix the Phoenix is kind of cool. It's pretty solid. Yeah. Deathly Hallows is kind of scary in the fact that mm-hmm. it's the last book. And Deathly. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, and triangles with circles in the middle of them are, middle of them are super terrifying. <laughs> I also have no idea what the Deathly Hallows are or what that triangle with the circle in the middle of it is. Oh, bring me back for that. <laughs> I'm going to talk all about that. <laughs> I'm excited. Oh, that is all we have for Azkaban. But this was a super good time. Julia, thank you so much for being a part of this. It's my pleasure. guest. It's been a fantastic experience. I'm sure we'll have you on in the podcast at some point in the future, probably for five since it's your favorite. But yes. This is, you're definitely going to be back. All right. We can't have, there's so many more episodes to happen because the books get way longer. Yes. So there's going to be way more episodes per book if I'm doing this thing. But yeah, thank you so much for being a part of this. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you want to follow Julia's uh, drunken journey through mythology and legends and all fun stories, you should follow her podcast. It's Spirits Podcast. It's super fantastic. It's a really good time. A lot of really good episodes there. I'm a big fan. They've been kind enough to shout this podcast out multiple times, so it's only fair that you go and check them out. Uh, But if you like this podcast, Potterless, feel free to subscribe on either iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, Please rate us if you want to be super awesome, because that helps a ton. And you can follow us on Twitter at Pod if you really want to. But Julia, thank you so much for being a part of this. Always a pleasure. And <laughs> until next time, as they say in Hogwarts, wizard on. Yay! Potterless is created by Mike Schubert. It is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert, Vicki Vale, Andreas Ozelby, Griffin Meckelberg, and Leanne Davis, who always get green lights whenever they drive. And the music is by Bettina Campamanes. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. We're on Twitter at PotterlessPod. We're at Facebook.com slash Potterless. And if you'd like to pledge money in exchange for bonus content, you can hit up our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Potterless. But anyway, guys, thank you so much. And until next time, Wizard on!